Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Data Rebels on Tap. I want to thank you for tuning in and we really appreciate you listening to the show today. I'm Kelly Coleffel, your Data Rebels on Tap guest host, and today I'm joined by Denise Pearson. Denise is the Chief Marketing Officer and leads corporate marketing strategy for Snowflake, which is a leading cloud data platform with over 3,000 customers today, and they are on a continued rapid growth trajectory. Denise has over 20 years of technology executive marketing experience at high growth companies, helping lead through that growth and going on to IPO including at Apogee, On24, and Genesis, where she has built, led, and managed marketing teams globally. Denise is also a board member at Lightstep, as well as Neo4j. And today we're going to hear about Denise's perspectives on how marketing has evolved, the impact of social media, thoughts on leadership, and of course, all things Snowflake. Denise, before we do that, let's have a drink. And I do want to welcome you to the show. What are you drinking this afternoon? Yeah, thank you for having me on, on the show today. So my go-to drink here for the last couple of months have been a cappuccino with um, oat milk. Very nice. That has been my drink, and um, I've started using my Nespresso machine a lot more. It's been kind of in a, in a, in a hidden for, for about a year or so, and um, but now I brought it back out again, and... That's something I actually look forward to every morning. It's actually my my uh, cappuccino with oat milk to get my day started. What are you having? Oh, absolutely. I well, I was debating. I've got an espresso machine as well. I was debating between having a double espresso to get me through the next couple of hours of the day. I went with a um, I went with a coffee called Ruta Maya. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. The coffee's really good, really rich, but uh, it's it's uh, produced in, in or grown in Mexico, I should say, then shipped into Texas where it's um, it's roasted, but it's grown at a pretty high elevation. Just really good, organic, 1,500 farmers, I think, that uh, produce this in a cooperative. So kind of a cool story and uh, good coffee if anybody gets a chance to try it. So Denise, looking forward to getting kicked off here, but before we jump into some of the marketing topics, could you start by just taking a moment, tell us a little bit more about your background, how you got into technology, first of all, and your current role, what you do as a CMO at Snowflake? Uh, so first of all, if you're, you're wondering about you know, my accent, it's, um, it's a Swedish accent. I grew up in, uh, in Sweden. And um, I got interested in marketing, you know, quite you know early on, actually, probably more in in high school. And I have an eight-year-old sister. She was in marketing, and um, I used to sit in her office and, and study. And she had this um, uh, marketing magazine that came every week, and I always read that magazine from from cover to cover. And um, I guess that's also how my, I really have to thank that magazine. It's a Swedish magazine for, for my career in marketing because I was just, got, just got really um, interested in, in marketing through that magazine. And I really found myself, you know, analyzing, you know, ads, right, you know, billboards, those sort of things, right, and uh, really kind of um, looking at their messaging, all that. So my big dream that I had was that before, b- before I was turning 28, my dream was that, oh, I'm going to become a product manager at the company like Procter & Gamble or Unilever, right? To be a brand manager by the age of 28, that was kind of like my big goal in, in life. But I think, you know, careers and 
great careers are not planned, right? Like, careers kind of, you know, you know, happen to you, right? So in, in many ways, and by taking different opportunities that come your way. And my first um, job in tech was with Commodore. Do you remember Commodore, the computer company? Yes, I do. Com Commodore uh, 64. Right? Exactly. So uh, my first job was with Commodore in the in the early you know 90s and um since then i've been in in tech uh, ever since uh, after college i joined uh, a company called genesis um it was a french company that uh, invented the sort of first automated conferencing service right before that you had to call at&t and say hey can you connect me to this number of people and there was an operator calling you and genesis invented this fully automated conferencing service right when you had your own number and you sent that out and everyone dialed in um which today you know today that's basically what zoom is today right so um genesis invented that service and uh then we integrate that you know with online presentation capabilities video conferencing those type of uh, services and i was a part of um that company from the early days you know i was there from basically zero to um 250 million and through uh, two IPOs, you know, on the um, on Euronext in Paris and later on Nasdaq as well. So that was just an incredible journey where I essentially, you know, built my my career, um, if you will. Ernest, so when did you move over from Sweden? When did you come over to the US? So actually, I uh, also spent four years in 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 France, um, in Paris and in Montpellier, in the south of France. That's where Genesis had its headquarters. So, um, yeah, when I was 26 years old, I moved down to France and worked from there for four years. But at Genesis, our largest market was in the U.S. And um, I reported into the COO and he was uh, working out of our Mallow Park, California office. And we ended up deciding that we were going to move you know, parts of our marketing team over here. To the U.S. because again, seventy percent of our market, you know, was um, here. So I came here first in two thousand two, and so I was here in the Bay Area for a year. Then I moved to Denver for a year, and then I spent four years in, um, in the tech corridor outside DC um, in Virginia, Reston, Virginia. And then uh, Genesis was acquired uh, in two thousand eight, and then I got another job offer out here with a company called On Twenty Four which I think many, many people are familiar with when it comes to webcasting, especially now, right? We're, if we're not on Zoom, we might be on an on 24, you know, webcast. So um, I came out here during that recession in 2008 uh, to join on 24. And that was a time when we launched our virtual events platform. I think back in the days in 2008, 2009, it was very common um, to build out this com completely virtual events environment, right, for everything from sales kickoff to industry conferences. So I was a part um, of that um, market and kind of creating that market in the early days. And I ran marketing for Entrepreneur for five years. And then after that, I joined uh, Apigee, uh, which is today um, a part of you know Google. The company was acquired in 2000. 16, but um, I was a part of their IPO as well. And yeah, Apigee was an API platform, you know, company. And then I joined Snowflake in 2016. Yeah. 
No, it's interesting. You talk about kind of planning out the career and the different ways that, that you navigate. I remember I got, I got into tech in the 90s as well. And it was I tell people, you know, coming out of uh, out of university, out of college, it was the best offer I had. That's the reason that I fell into, into tech. No other no other real reason. Interesting, though, when you when you joined Snowflake and, and you said 2016, they were just removed from coming out of stealth by a couple of years. What are what caught your attention originally when you you came over to Snowflake? So at that time, I was like looking at different opportunities, and it was probably the first time in my career I was like, okay, this time um, I'm gonna really find you know the right the right place for me as well. Because I mean, you learn so much about yourself, obviously, right? And um, I think when you're in your twenties and your thirties, I mean, you learn a lot, lot, right? But when in, you're in your forties, you probably know you know more about yourself too. I mean, your own strengths and everything. So um, at that time, um, again, I started talking to Snowflake and um, it was really the combination of, of the people at Snowflake and, of course, the product, right? I mean, those are the things, two things you look for, right? And uh, at the same time, I could see that there was a big market opportunity uh, for this company. And as a marketer, right, a dream come true is to really be a part of, you know, creating um an iconic you know brand and to be part of kind of building that from the beginning was just an incredibly exciting opportunity at that point we could never probably dream about the fact how you know successful this company you know has um has become and um you know we simply have an incredible you know product that solves you know problems that people never thought um, anyone would ever be able to you know solve. Uh, often people um, wonder, kind of, they think it's magic basically. So the product is basically like you know magic. But I could also say back in 2016, right? I could really see the problems this this product and and would would solve, and and problems I could relate to myself, right? I mean. The biggest one of the biggest issues we have in marketing today is that we're generating so much data that we want to use, but all that data is right siloed across our company. Right, every marketing platform you know we we uh, bring in, every technology, you know, becomes a silo in itself. Right, and what's so important today is to get that. 360 view of the customer right i mean that's how you can really you know optimize your marketing mix and, and everything and um just kind of the opportunity to um transform marketing you know myself our own marketing with snowflake and the opportunity of course for the company and what we could solve for the world i mean that uh, those things were just too intriguing not to uh yeah, well, it, it's, you know, you like you said, rarely does a company have the technology, in this industry anyway, has a has the technology that truly works the way it's advertised. For us as an SI, it's wonderful. I tell people all the time, make the easy, easy decision, take that out of the equation, choose Snowflake, you'll, you'll make your life easier. But I mean, I think that's, it's just really rare to have that. And as you guys have grown over the last, I guess we've been working with you for the last three years or so, as you've grown over the years, you guys are in countries around the world now. You've got offices all over you. You've, you've probably got marketing uh, team members uh, globally that everybody's kind of adjusting to this COVID crisis. Everybody's working from home now. And what are, what are you doing that 
to really maintain Snowflake business operations from a marketing standpoint? And more importantly, what has worked really well for you and your team? Anything that stands out? And I think looking at um, all the functions within the enterprise, uh, sales um, has always been impacted you know, by this because they can't you know, meet their customers you know, face-to-face. But then also marketing, right? I mean, marketing is a function that has been deeply impacted right, by the current situation. And obviously in B2B, a big um, component of our marketing mix, you know, um, is physical events, you know, for instance, and those basically went away overnight, right? Uh, in February, March, there we were just in the midst of a, of a city tour, you know, traveling to 100 cities around the world, and we had another 100 events uh, planned at the same time. Uh, we were in the midst of planning for a user conference that was supposed to happen in June, right? So. I think that that was, of course, a reality for for most, you know, marketing teams at that time. So we um, made a very quick transition into virtual events, and I think that experience that I had from On Twenty Four and a couple of my team members at Snowflake, they came from On Twenty Four as well. So that that actually experience from On Twenty Four became incredibly useful. Uh, at this time, because at On Twenty Four, obviously, we're inv- we're involved in thousands and thousands uh, of virtual events. So how to do those in the most effective way, that has been a good experience. But um, so one of the first things we did was to train all field marketers around the world on how to use the On24 platform for um, for virtual events. So we made that very quick uh, transition. So I mean, if we in the past did, you know, three, four webinars per week, that became 30, you know, per week and all kinds of, you know, flavor. Uh, so that was the biggest uh, change. So um, there are now, of course, regional flavors of our virtual events. There are virtual, you know, roundtables, you know, using Zoom for different industries. Uh, there, there, we're doing, you know, executive briefing center events, you know, you know, virtually. We moved our user group events, you know, virtually. So that was kind of the biggest transition, uh, you know, for the team. I think the one thing that holds true at this time is providing, you know, highly educational and foundational content, right? The the um, content is is king, and I, this is of course something you're exceptional at at Hashmap as well. If I have to give you um, um, some feedback on that as well. So, um, and if, yeah, if we're now look, we we're now, we of course use data extensively at Snowflake to really understand what our customers, you know, gravitating towards. And uh, it's all that really foundational, educational, you know, content. Um, in the past, we did a lot of workshops um, with, uh, you know, virtual, you know, uh, with ha- with our hands-on lab, those things. We actually moved many of those labs virtually about six months ago. Every week we have over a thousand people sign up for those um, virtual hands-on labs. So I just want to, that's it's for every, something for everyone to think about. There are actually a lot of things that can be done virtually that we didn't think was possible, um, you know, before. Now that's amazing. I think the, the 
pace of transition that you made to go completely virtual is just incredible. And you actually, you did a few fun things too. Uh, you made that uh, children's activity book, which, which I don't have small children, but it looked like it was a lot of fun, a great idea. I've actually seen other companies now coming out with similar types of, of content. Anything though that stands out, uh, Denise, from a content or mes messaging standpoint that you you really hold up during this crisis as, as something where you go, uh, you know, th this was something I feel like we did really, really well that impacted our customers. Yeah, so first of all, I think that, you know, when the, when the going gets tough, the tough, you know, gets creative. So we've had a lot of focus on that and also finding creativity across our organization, right? Because a lot of ideas are not invented at the headquarters, right? They're coming from the field. So we have now a weekly meeting every Wednesday where we're really talking about new creative ideas that we're testing around the world. And then we're packaging those up, right? So everyone you know, can use them. So I think that's, that's has been a big focus, really kind of incentivizing you know, that problem solving and creativity um, uh, for, you know, for happening. But clearly in the situation also, you know, we're in, um, data is at the center of helping to solve the situation, you know, we're in, right? I mean, every day and everywhere, a lot of very, very difficult uh, decisions, you know, have to be made, right? And the right way to make decisions are obviously based on, of course, deep experience in an area and using, you know, data. And the situation we're in, right? I mean, no one really has deep experience in how to solve this situation in the in the best, you know, way. And data is therefore kind of uh, the basis, right, for the decision making that needs to be made, you know, every day. So I think um, what I'm probably most proud about is really how we're enabling, you know, our, our owner or our customers now to use data to adapt during this, you know, situation, right? Because you can find a lot of answers to what you need to do next. You will find those answers in your data. But only by having all that data available to you, right, to get a complete picture and can make the right decisions. And that's the main problem we're seeing now as well, right, that the data is not available to all the decision makers, right, around the world. And uh, right now, Snowflake is involved with a number of different initiatives. There's a group, you know, called the COVID Alliance uh, that is really building, you know, a platform for really integrating all data, you know, working with healthcare providers and and um, all, all, all kind of organizations and make that data, you know, securely available. So we're part of that. We also have um, a number of partners that are providing data through the Snowflake Data Marketplace. Uh, we have a partner um, in, in Hungary, actually, called Star Schema, who provides a very complete COVID-19 data set uh, that is made available through the data marketplace. So all our customers can readily use that data and combine that data right with their own you know, data. And um, we also have partners such as WeatherSource who provide, you know, weather data through the data marketplace, right? And data really becomes even more valuable as it's being combined, you know, with other data sources, right? So um, 
I think that's probably what I'm most excited about is really kind of, you know, how we're enabling other companies to adapt at this time by bringing really all their data um, together. Absolutely. And I think that the data sharing aspect that you talked about with the data exchange and data marketplace is really interesting. I, I'm hopeful that more organizations, more companies will be able to take advantage of that. Like you said, when you talk about combining up some of the health related data, some of the weather data and the other data sets, there's no better platform, obviously, than Snowflake to do that. Um, I'm, I'm interested as as you look at as you were talking, I was thinking that, you know, you've got traditional marketing, you've got your, you know, bill, I've seen Snowflake billboards up and down 101 when I've been in the Bay Area, for instance. You've got some of the more uh, modern marketing techniques around social marketing, digital marketing, et cetera. But there's almost a third dimension now, which you were talking about some. It's, it's almost this, the COVID marketing aspect, because doing what we've always done, whether it's been traditional or more modern, that had to change a little bit. And it, it's, Interesting, you know, how do you strike the balance between the company goals that you had starting out, you know, January, February, then all that really shifted from a marketing standpoint? Did Snowflake's marketing change substantially in terms of the, the messaging? Obviously, did some really cool things, but how did you think about that as a CMO? I think um, what we've been able to do as well, we, of course, had a number of team members that were quite heavily involved uh, with our events. Uh, programs and uh, those people have actually now been deployed into other um, you know roles and we've been able to actually to um, work on a couple of things that we we sort of haven't had you know time for one area actually that we're going to focus quite a bit on is marketing analytics because across all our customers right um, many of them are, are marketers right already their IT departments are working with marketing to solve their data challenges but um, but marketers have never really seen how they would implement something like like snowflake right they, they have seen snowflake as something for the IT department they haven't really seen the business technology but that that's exactly what it is right so um, we are uh, putting more effort into again um, you know marketing analytics you know um, you know for instance we are um, putting more efforts into um, the sled you know, segment that we couldn't do, you know, before. Uh, it is allowing us to be more, build more content for different industries to be more more relevant. I think that's important now as well, right? It's about timing and relevance. I mean, marketing is always about timing and relevance, but we just have to be more hyper-relevant at this point. So what we're spending now, a lot of efforts is really into building content that is hyper-relevant for different, you know, personas. No, I, I was just going to say on that, I, I think, you know, as a small brand at HashMap, we, uh, you know, our, our challenge is, you know, where do we put our, our limited budget as it relates to marketing? Do we put it into traditional? Do we put it into, you know, social or digital? And how do we, as you were talking about relevancy, how do we stay relevant on what would be considered by most people a very small budget. I think it's really cool, honestly, that a lot of the things today you don't need a huge budget for. I can go on LinkedIn, I can go on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram for virtually no cost almost. But when you, based on your experience, the last uh, several years, especially as, as social and digital marketing have come on, you guys are using it a lot at, at Snowflake. 
What do you feel like is the most effective approach for technology marketers specifically to reach and impact customers today? Yeah, I mean, the number one is really great, high, valuable, you know, content. And especially right in the early dates, um, you know, when you have, you know, less, you know, resources, right? It's all about, of course, building credibility, you know, for your company as well. And I think about Snowflake, you know, four years back, um, we are asking our customers to put their most valuable resource into Snowflake, a company that they had never heard about, you know, before, right? It's for us, you know, building that credibility was incredibly uh, important, um, you know, for Snowflake. And that really started with developing, you know, our content. Um, the first call I made when I joined uh, Snowflake was to the person who runs, who's been running content marketing uh, for Snowflake. That was the co first call I made at 9 a.m. In the, in the office that morning. And he joined, you know, six weeks, um, you know, later. And um, that, that has been instrumental to our success as well. And, um, it's about building trust, right? You want to buy from people and companies that you trust. And um, great, you know, advice and providing that educa educational content that has really created, you know, trust, um, you know, with our customers. We're not here to sell you something, you know, we're really here to help you be successful. Uh, Snowflake's number one value has always been around putting customer uh, the first. And we also have five main you know, pillars on the marketing team as well. Um, so all our marketing kind of ties back to those you know, five pillars. And the first one is that we uh, want to be the most customer-centric marketing organization in the cloud computing you know, industry. That's kind of a North Star every day, right? How do we know our customers better than anyone else? How do we stay more relevant, more helpful to them than anyone else? And the only way to do that is to really know your customers. Data helps a lot when you have a lot of data, you know, at scale. Data is what's going to help you do that. But also being incredibly aligned with the sales organization, you know, our sales engineering team, our support teams our professional services uh, team, training departments, those people that are with our customers every day, partners like yourself, right? We, you, you give us that feedback. So listening to that feedback, what is the number one, you know, question, you know, our customers and prospects are asking us at the moment, right? What are the main concerns they have? Those are the pieces you need to address, you know, with your marketing, right? Yeah, you, you had mentioned earlier that within a marketing department, uh, sometimes it's been challenging to think about a solution like Snowflake as something that can be really leveraged within inside the marketing domain. Oh, it's, an, it's an IT thing. I think one of the things that Snowflake has done really well from a product perspective, the, um, you guys have almost made it an app, a business application. The IT infrastructure piece has largely been taken away so that I, as a marketing person, or a, um, a marketing lead, I can really use that very, very effectively. And, and obviously, marketing, it's, it's an interesting topic for me. I love it. 
it's also something that permeates, I would say almost every industry, there's probably a few exceptions out there. Maybe companies don't really have a lot on the marketing side, but far and away they do across industries. I think I might know the answer to this question, but I, I am curious, is there is there one thing that, whether you're a small company like ours, mid-sized, larger, that we're just not taking advantage of today as it relates to marketing opportunities that you feel like you see broadly across the companies you talk to today that they should be taking advantage of? Yeah, I mean, right now is of course about uh, you know meeting people in, in their homes, right? Right. So investment in video, uh, that that's an area as well we're going to invest in more in, and uh, I think that's an area that has almost been not 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 ne neglected, you know, per se, but that we can do even better with. And that's also if we look at kind of where are we investing right now when we are reducing. Of course, we have completely, of course, eliminated you know our events at the moment. Uh, the areas we're investing right now is definitely on the video side to to great educational you know videos you know explainer videos um, videos that kind of are simplifying you know message make it very easy to to understand um, I think that's a great investment you know at um, the moment and also in the early days like yeah the first thing we did actually and also when we we hired our our head of content was to again we talked to our, our sales people and sales engineers asked them what are those top things right the, the top 10 issues we need to address it could be anything about security and snowflake to you know how do i you know uh, migrate data into you know snowflake those sort of things right and we created um short uh, videos with subject matter experts across snowflake on every single topic so even then, some of these um, questions are fairly complex for a salesperson even to explain, right? But then they even have a, a video, right? That could, instead of bringing in, you know, a sales engineer or one of engineers to answer every of those questions, at scale them, you know, we had videos that kind of addressed, you know, all of those. Well, when you talk about, you know, really what's most effective on the sales side, kind of warms my heart, obviously, with the volume that Snowflake has coming in, I would imagine, I've, in fact, I, I think I've read a couple of places, I don't know, 7,500,000, 125,000 different uh, potential leads coming in on a quarterly basis. Um, that's, it's a lot of volume. And I know your overall philosophy is that a, a salesperson really should not have to generate those leads on their own. Let let your team from a marketing perspective present those for folks that have, like you said, been educated, the awareness has been raised and they're ready to, to move forward and, and talk more seriously. How, is there a combination of technology process people that you're using Denise right now to ensure that your sales teams are focused on those qualified leads, qualified prospects? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the only goal we have in marketing uh, is to drive sales productivity, right? I mean, that, that's why we're here. Of course, we do things such as, you know, positioning and, and messaging. All those things are, of course, you know, important as well. But the number one objective is to uh, constantly see how we can drive more sales uh, efficiency um, across the organization. We have a great partnership, obviously, with our SDR organizations. We have uh, an inside sales team that uh, uh, they book, book meetings, right, for a sales for a sales for a field sales team. So, 
first, of course, when all the, these leads are coming in, you know, we have, of course, the traditional, you know, lead scoring kind of methods at Snowflake. Those sits in, you know, in Marketo, and we have some other technologies for refining that uh, as well. And to constantly make sure that our SDR team are focused on the most um, valuable, you know, leads, you know, for us. We also use some AI technologies and platforms to handle all our leads you know, at scale. So any lead, right, who for some reason don't pass that first, you know, filter, and let's say maybe let's say it's maybe forty percent, right, that might have passed you kind of the first, you know, filter. You know, all the others um, goes into this kind of AI engine where they actually get a personalized, you know, uh, follow up. But there is an AI agent, you know, um, you know, behind this who can actually respond, you know, to to the lead as well in a very personalized, you know, way. And we've even been able to book meetings, right, um, uh, through this AI agent, you know, as well. So that's uh, pretty incredible what you can do um, today. But again, after the lead scoring, again, these leads are passed through our, you know, SDR organization. And our goal is, of course, to make them as productive as possible because they have done meeting goals that they're um, chasing. And it's not about setting up obviously any meeting. It's about setting up qualified um, meetings for our sales team. So just that handover, right, between teams to have a very kind of fluid handover, strong collaboration. You know, we have someone on the marketing team almost dedicated just to kind of the collaboration in a way that team, right? Making sure every week that that team knows which campaigns that are coming up, right? Which are priority campaigns, how to follow up on things. And I remember in the early days when I joined every Monday morning, I sat with our SDRs as well myself, right? We had eight SDRs. They're still with us today, have had successful careers at Snowflake. And we sat there every Monday morning, right, and going through, of course, there were just a limited number of marketing programs at the time, right? But that collaboration and not kind of throwing things over any fence, right? You have to tear down the fences, right? There can't be any fences between departments. That, that really no-look past collaboration between sales to the SDR team and the SDR to the field sales team, that needs to be really um, a very collaborative, uh, effective, you know, process with a lot of strong collaboration and processes in place. Yeah, I agree. I love the collaboration aspect between marketing and sales. I want to actually ask you something else about that. But first, uh, how is is your coffee doing okay? It's still uh, still warm. It's still warm. Yeah, it is. I have, I'm having one of these um, insulated um, cups. Yes, I've got my uh, Snowflake Yeti cup here. It's working very, very well, yep. and uh, still definitely enjoying it. So, you you uh, you wrote an article for Forbes a few years ago where you were talking about this very thing this this marketing sales alignment and collaboration and. In that article, you shared a few of your top insights, uh, being one team, one dream, which I really like that idea of everybody's in alignment. Number two, a full focus on customers. You, you mentioned that earlier. The third one, uh, really interesting, which I like as well. Everyone should be learning sales. Everyone should be participating in sales. I think exceptionally good insights, very valid today in 2020. And they certainly resonate with me. 
has that top three, have you added two, you know, one or two or three more to that list since you wrote that Forbes article? There are actually five and have always been five. Uh, and I guess I focused on three, you know, at that, um, that point. But uh, the alignment with sales remains, I think, the, really the number one. Uh, you know, for us, we're an incredibly sales-focused marketing organization, and we have a, a very strong uh, relationship with that um, with that uh, team. And I, we also hire from sales as well. So, especially our SDR team, some of them have moved into marketing, and some of them have progressed, you know, on the sales team, right? So, the SDR team is very much a, a hiring. Um, team for, for snowflake where people start building incredible you know careers sometimes you know right after you know college and it's, it's really great to see those those great careers that have been developed at snowflake so yeah the sales alignment is um is so important and really understanding the craft you know all, all sales and um really understand how we best align with them at any given time it's important, of course, in B2B also to think about the sales people. They care about accounts, right? In B2B, especially what we sell, it's a complex, you know, selling process, right? Where you have, you know, your, your, your sponsors and economic buyers, right? And all that, right? So all those are very important. So that's, it's not about a lead. It's not about generating one lead from one person, right? It's also really how do we help, you know, sales develop this relationship across the the, um, the company and and uh, helping them develop um, relationships with their sponsors and uh, others who have impact on the deal cycle absolutely I, I think that uh, you know when you uh, I'd be really interested to know is you know obviously from a sales standpoint everything that marketing does can can be a, a huge benefit when you start thinking about a new marketing initiative, a new idea. You've got a lot of data, probably leveraging Snowflake to a great degree to parse through that, do the analytics on it. But there's this whole element of creativity as well, which you talked about earlier. What What's the ideal, I guess, how much do you rely on pure data? How much do you rely on creativity to help sell a new idea across and kind of develop that coalition of the willing at the management team level on a new idea that you guys have? Yeah, and I mean, marketing is really that um, that combination of, of you know art and, uh, and the science as well. And when you build marketing teams, you need to make sure you have uh, a combination of people that have those uh, backgrounds and strengths as well, right? And um, we've done quite a bit of um, personality testing you know, on the team as well, right? You have those that fall in the blue category that are very process-driven, they're very methodical, analytical, they really think about kind of you know, the business you know, outcomes, right? You need those. You, of course, need those who can really spur you know, new, new ideas as well. Um, you need people that can develop great relationship you know, with customers and sales. That's another kind of unique you know, um, you know, strength as well. So you need to have a very well-rounded team. You need to know what your own weaknesses are and your own strengths, right? So you can build a team where everyone really um, uh, complete um, each other, if you will, right? I mean, marketing is, uh, 
the team sport more than anything, right? On the sell side, I mean, it's a little bit still more, you of course build, even sell, you build, of course, teams around you as well. Um, because, you know, closing, you know, deals in B2B tech is not something you do on your own in sales either, right? There are a lot of people involved in those deals. But uh, again, marketing, right? No one on the marketing team at Snowflake can be successful without the others, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mix um, where you can use data to see what's working. But then, of course, you know, add on new new programs can, that can be new, the new blockbusters, you know, uh, you know for the future. It, it takes some time for a new brand to establish itself. Snowflake, uh, certainly not a new brand anymore, but when you came on board just out of stealth, so brand new and really looking to establish itself in the cloud data warehousing market. And it's interesting, you recently pivoted the messaging from being only a cloud data warehouse to really branding yourself as more of an overall cloud data platform net new analytics applications, data engineering workloads, data science workloads, many, many things outside of that core. And I'm, I'm just interested from a marketing standpoint, how did that, that pivot that you did and the overall strategy and messaging, uh, what did you learn from that? What did you take away from that change? Anything that maybe you would have either done differently or you'd go, I'm gonna go all in on that particular approach. I think if there's something I can say that I think we've done well is to drive a very consistent you know, messaging. We have until December, uh, from 2016 until December 2019, our positioning was Snowflake is a data warehouse built for the cloud. We were constantly hammering that same message over and over again. And in marketing, um, consistency is more important than anything. And I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of tech companies do, and I think I've been guilty of that uh, in the past as well, is that you're changing, right? You Okay, this didn't work this quarter, so we're changing the next quarter. We see it all the time. You drive on 101 here in the Bay Area, and you see a company positioning themselves in a way, and you know that, you know what, in six months, that message is going to be completely different. And what this leads to is that really no one really understands what that company is um, is doing. So uh, that to get your positioning, you know, right, that's worth the investment in time to get to that. And when we came up with the data warehouse built for the cloud, which sounds very simple and easy, it was actually a very very data driven you know, process involving customers. Uh, focus groups with with brand new prospects in several locations around the U.S. Um, partners and of course our internal teams as well. And um, there, it's actually an external you know, consulting company that we had involved with this that had they're, they're called Zoom Marketing. So I should give them a plug here as well. And they have a very um, data driven process for how to develop positioning for, for, for technology companies. And I worked with them in the past. And uh, I think that was really a game changer for us, you know, as well. You, you, you really have to understand, you know, who you're selling to, right? You cannot only listen to your customer because they know you, but is this message and positioning going to resonate, you know, with your, with your prospect? And is this a positioning that only you can own that is relevant? And um, the data warehouse built for the cloud was certainly that. And it worked so, so well for us for so many years. But this time as well, 
Snowflake has made incredible investments on the R&D side, engineering side, and the product has evolved extensively in the past you know, four, four years. And it was almost like we were growing out of that suit, right? Data warehousing became quite limiting to us. And when people think about data warehousing, they think about one thing. Well, you know, as you mentioned, right, Snowflake solves so many different workloads um, within the enterprise today. And it also it was also actually our customers who pulled us in that direction. They started referring to Snowflake as their data platform, right, for their company, right? Snowflake, that's where we put all our data and that's how we're really um, democratizing data across our organization is through Snowflake. So even customers pulled us in that direction. And we did some um, data-driven research around that positioning as well to really make sure is this the right position for Snowflake. And all the data that came back showed that, yeah, Cloud Data Platform, that's the right you know, position for us at, the, at this time. And also having the data that backs that up, it also helps get everyone on board in the company, right, around the message. Because also the problem that happens in marketing is that some some people start you know using that old message or they they think oh this works for me so they start referring to the company in a different way but the power comes from when everyone right describes the company in a very unified consistent um, way well it takes a little while you you mentioned that consistency from early on over that three four year period um you know just incredible um you know, marketing from the standpoint of remaining in that hard line of cloud data warehouse. So I think it takes a little bit of time to change, uh, even probably within Snowflake. I know for me as a partner, I've had to readjust how, not necessarily how I think of what Snowflake can do, but just the words that come out, the messaging that comes out. And and on that, uh, would there ever be a Super Bowl ad that you could see in Snowflake's future? Or are Super Bowl ads worth it or not, in in your opinion? I think for us, um, I think as long as I'm at Snowflake, I don't think there will be a Super Bowl, you know, um, <laughs> ad. Because you have to look at again. Um, we are here to to help, you know, our, our customers. That's kind of the that customer centricity, the north star around that. Um, a Super Bowl ad wouldn't be helpful here. I think a lot of companies do a Super Bowl ad post we want to have a Super Bowl ad, right? That's not, that's not the reason yeah. for doing something, right? Yeah. It needs to be, again, is this yeah. going to drive sales productivity? Is this the right thing to do for our customers? In our case, it's yeah. not. But I can definitely see um, uh, scenarios and companies where it makes sense you know, as well. The one Super Bowl ad I will always remember, and I actually admire that company a lot as well. Uh, this was, um, don't remember the exact year, but it was Webex Super Bowl ad, right? It was just a time where Webex had done their, their IPO and they had, you know, RuPaul as a spokesperson. And the whole message was about, you know, we gotta start meeting like this. And it was just that they, were so, they, they did something so unexpected with bringing yeah. RuPaul into this very traditional kind of office environment. And that there was a brave, bold, you know, move. And um, I, I really admire what they did in marketing a lot, for sure. So I think at that time for them, and also Webex is truly kind of an application that every, like Zoom today, right, that everyone can use. And then, then I think a Super Bowl ad makes um, a lot of sense. 
Yeah, a lot of lot of eyes on it. Obviously, let me ask: Are there any any social media channels? We I think all of us in B two B certainly use LinkedIn a ton today. Are there any social media channels that you and your team are experiencing with or experimenting with right now to see how the impact might be on the business? You talked about video as a medium, but any channels or new um, solutions from a social media standpoint that yeah. are interesting to you right now? I mean, marketing is about fishing where the fish are, right? That's what you need to understand. Where is the fish, right? That's where you go. Um, we just had a meeting actually this morning where we talked about inbound marketing and the different you know channels we're actually using and what is working right now. And our head of inbound marketing will talk about the fact that we have sort of upped our investment in Facebook during the past two months. And we've seen, you know, great results there. So obviously we're looking at certain metrics, right? Kind of, hey, we want to get to kind of this, see this type of metrics if we're going to invest more. And um, clearly now when people are home, maybe this blur, we have this blur between, you know, our work and our personal lives as well, right? People might actually spend a little more time on Facebook to get news, you know, from their friends or relatives, right? And stay connected. So um, Facebook actually has been um, one of the social channels that we have invested more in. I've seen great results. No, that's it's interesting. You mentioned that use LinkedIn a lot, and I'm not I'm not a a poster on Facebook, but I do look at the Facebook feed, and it's amazing how many times I download a white paper, I sign up for a webinar or something else that's business related out of the companies like Snowflake that I'm following within Facebook maybe possibly even more than LinkedIn. So I would agree with you. I think that's a that's a great one. And I think it's probably largely untapped right now uh, in terms of the value that you get out of that and the uh, some of the effectiveness that you can have with the, uh, like you said, where you need to fish, there definitely are fish on those Facebook feeds. Yes. So uh, quick question. Obviously, high value content is is critical, something that's going to resonate. Is there ever is there ever such a thing as too much content, even if it's high value content? I don't think there is. I'm just curious your your opinion on that. Uh, well, there is too much content if the content becomes irrelevant. Right. And I think, and I think that that's now, I mean, um, when as we have now matured as a team, we can of course make our content more 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 targeted, right? For specific, uh, you know, personas or industries or use cases that we couldn't do before, right? Up until I would say last year, we were very focused on that practitioner, right? I mean, uh, the practitioner that sits, you know, on the IT and BI team. Now we're focused more on expanding that presence across organization, right? So that practitioner content, right, doesn't work on the line of business, you know, side. So of course, um, um, again, if your content becomes irrelevant, then 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 there's too much content. And it's also about yeah, yeah and also about really creating, you know, great nurturing, you know, journeys. You know, for your for your prospects as well, a real understanding, right? You know, what type of content um, is most helpful at, to them at any given time of that journey, and I think that that's something we've been able to perfect, and that's where we can see more optimization, you know, coming from as well, and that's kind of where data is so incredibly helpful. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, curious, you, you mentioned WebEx earlier as somebody that stood out a few years ago on a, on a Super Bowl ad. Uh, HashMap, we're, we're a HubSpot customer. We use HubSpot for our sales uh, CRM marketing uh, system, if you will. And I'm a huge fan of how they really take a, I'll, I'll call it a community-based approach to marketing. It seems like there's very little selling. There's a lot of, you, you alluded to it earlier, education, awareness, maybe just information around marketing in general. They've been putting out during the COVID crisis, for instance, how based on their the data that they have within HubSpot, how have sales pipelines been trending? How have deal closings been trending? And I'm just curious, I'm a huge fan of HubSpot. Are there any companies for you, Denise, out, outside of Snowflake, of course, that, that you follow, that you look forward to the content that they produce on a regular basis? And you go, man, th those guys are doing it right. And you know, I must say, I'm actually a huge fan of HubSpot as well. Uh, I mean, they are the poster child for content marketing and of course inbound marketing and everyone can learn so much for them and actually if, even if i search on things you know on google sometimes you know topic i get to i get to have spots you know often uh, as well so actually i think i would mention HubSpot as well um of course actually marketo used to be very when they were around as a as a independent company they were incredibly strong at that um at that as well so um, yeah, I would actually sell HubSpot as well. That, that has always been their core core strength, and um, they definitely eat their own dog food for sure. Yeah, great. We've been a customer, I guess, for two plus years now, something like that. Hey, I, I feel like we could just keep rolling here. I, I've got a, a ton of questions I'd love to ask, but I know we're we're running up on time. Uh, Everything that you've mentioned, exceptionally insightful, really have enjoyed uh, getting a chance to talk to you. Would you be able to do just the final little wrap up here, a little lightning round, just one word answers. You don't need anything in detail, uh, just quick, uh, quick answers on a, on a few questions. Let's go. You up for it? Yeah. All right. Favorite social network? Uh, YouTube. Yes. Favorite mobile app? on your phone. Fitbits. Most overlooked, overlooked marketing channel by businesses today. Well, you have you have to take a look at on 24 at this time for sure. Oh, on 24. I tell you what, I, I am on a lot of webinars right now and the on 24 interface is unbelievable. Really, really nice. I would I would agree with that. Uh, most overused marketing channel by businesses today. That's kind of a tough one. Email. Ah, yes. You're going to make me feel it's bad. You. <laughs> it's, it's the most, uh, it's, it's the most let's see. used, you know, marketing channel. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Uh, favorite, so a little more personal, favorite spot in the Bay Area? Stanford campus. Oh, very nice. Very nice. As you've been home uh, with uh, the family and everything, do you have a go-to cook-at-home meal that uh, that you enjoy? Uh, we have actually been using thistle, thistle a lot. It's a, it's, very nice. Because <laughs> we all these different things so um, in the yeah. house here, so it's been a combination of, of uh, things, yeah. Oh, very nice. In in normal times where we're not in, uh, uh, you know, kind of lockdown and everything, is there is there a favorite, uh, whether it be takeout meal or restaurant that you have in the Bay Area? 
a takeout that everyone loves in the family is sushi. Oh, very nice. Uh, morning person or night person? Morning person. And obviously you talked about uh, you uh, grew up and originally from Sweden. Is there a favorite country that you've ever visited or lived in? My husband and I used to travel a lot uh, back in the days, but I must say that uh, France will always be, um, again, my favorite country where I have lived in as well. Yes. Fluent, uh, fluent in French or passable? Uh, uh, I went to a French school for 12 years in Sweden. Oh. I lived there for four years. So, but uh, yeah, I haven't really spoken Done. in the past yeah. years, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple more. Mountains or beach? Mountains or beach? You got a lot of options in the Bay Area there. Yeah, beach. That's that's where I live in. Beach, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then if it is mountains, though, ski or snowboard? Ski. Okay. And uh, la last question. Um, so, Denise, what? Uh, so, if as a uh, now, I, I can't even think of what question I was at. Let's see. Oh, okay. So, Denise, if you were in, uh, if you were not, Denise, if you are not in tech today, is there another industry that you think you'd really enjoy as a marketer? Uh, I love cars, so it would be the car industry. Oh, very nice. So, I, yeah, I was just thinking the uh, the cyber truck is due to come out soon. So, uh, I mean, this the, could uh, we'll so see. much um, innovation, <laughs> of course, happening there. That is going to yeah. have so much impact on us as people and the world. So I think that industry yeah. is super exciting. Yeah. Well, Denise, uh, a lot of fun having a chance to talk to you. Uh, the, the time today, just uh, very much appreciated. I think that the entire data cloud community, obviously the Snowflake community, will really enjoy the conversation and getting to hear some of your thoughts and your experience as a chief marketing officer and and really as all of us are looking for you know new ways new ideas new initiatives around marketing to try to get the most out of that ordinarily as we were in January February but even today as we sit uh, dealing with the covid uh, just a really insightful conversation I, I look forward to talking to you again really soon I have really enjoyed the conversation with you, Kelly, as uh, always. And um, you guys are doing amazing work at HashMap. Thank you. Denise, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Data Rebels on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the Data Rebels on Tap page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.